So I was just putting out my frustration on that broken mat. It is so good to be here today. I'm so glad uh, to get this opportunity. I don't take this lightly speaking. It's a, it's very, very, very important to me, and I want to make sure I, I approach it with the care that it deserves. And uh, so, thank you, Pastor, for that. Thank you for the Lord. This feels very shaky. Thank you for the Lord. He's a uh, he brought me here today, literally. Uh, when I went to Spokane over the weekend, and uh, my tire popped when I was in Spokane. So, like, I got to my parents' house, my car sat in the driveway, then Sunday morning I was going to go to their church, and as I got onto the road, I was like, it's pulling a little bit. That's so weird. It's, it never does that. It had just snowed. It's like, it's just the road. It's just the road. And then I get onto the clear road. I was like, it's not the road, is it? It was my tire. It popped. So I'm very blessed that it popped in Spokane where my parents have money to uh, help me fix my tire. So that's just the Lord working things out in my favor. Everything works together for, for good, especially my good. So I would prefer it not to happen, but sometimes it happens, so I'm very thankful. Uh, the portion of scripture we're going to go to today is uh, one of my favorites. I was talking with the pastor uh, today about it. One of my favorite, one of his favorites, 1 Samuel chapter 3, do verses 1 through 11 for chap, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I love the books of First and Second Samuel. I grew up uh, listening to audiobooks on Narnia, and I've read Narnia. I can read. I promise I can read. So I can't just listen. And I read these Narnia books, and I love them because they're like, it's a whole fantasy world. There's kings and battles and lions. It sounds super dorky. I promise. It's not. It's really cool. I used to play with my Legos and be really cool. I had a lot of friends. I promise. But I... Uh, uh, the books of First and Second Samuel they remind me of uh, those Narnia books, and I uh, and so like when you read through, it's like real battles taking place, real cool things. And this is honestly one of the coolest things that happens in this book. There's other great things like David and Goliath, and the battles, and David's mighty men. Those are all excellent things happening. But this really is so powerful if you just if we look into it a little bit. And you don't even have to look far. I don't look very hard at things. And so 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in, their, in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at the time, at that time, when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere or before, before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, Samuel was laid down to sleep. And verse 4 is really cool, really cool. That the Lord called Samuel. Say the Lord. The Lord. Called, called Samuel. Samuel. We're energetic tonight. That's good. And answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and laid down. Verse 6. And the Lord... Sorry, I should have said, and we're going to repeat after me. Uh, the Lord called yet again. Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And he answers, I called not, my son. Lie down again. This is where, like, we're gonna, we might talk about Eli a little bit. I won't, but I just want to point out, Eli is kind of not the brightest bulb in the bush. He even says his eyes are dim. So, like, he's not really understanding what's going on right now. Maybe he thinks, like, uh, Samuel's crazy or something for going, like, I didn't call you. And then if I was Samuel, I'd be a little annoyed. He's like, ah, this guy's calling me and then telling me to go lay down. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to do it. So really it shows 
that Samuel's dedicated right now. He's going. He thinks it's Samuel calling him. We know because we're reading it says the Lord called him. Samuel didn't know that yet. We're going to find out why right here. Uh, Verse 7. This is such a powerful verse. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. That's crazy. You can get called without even knowing that. That's cool because... Sometimes we think in our, it's our resume that gets us called. It's, it's whatever we can do that gets us called. It's not that at all. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Actually, this can be what the whole thing's about. But remember verse 7. He didn't know the Lord, and he didn't know his word. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Say the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived, finally... He finally saw that the Lord had been calling Samuel, called the child. Therefore, Eli said, and this is maybe the smartest thing that Eli's ever said. I don't have like a big grudge against Eli, but sometimes I'm like, come on, man. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down, it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Samuel's very obedient. It's very cool. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood... And called as other times. He said, Samuel, Samuel. Say Samuel, Samuel. Samuel. So before he's been saying it once, but now he's saying it twice. I'm, I want to get you guys involved. I can be kind of boring. I don't want that. So we're going to say it again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. That's an urgency. It's not just like the regular Samuel's like, Samuel, come here. This is like, Samuel, I need you. That's what the Lord's saying right now. But now Samuel knows how to respond because he's been taught. He's been listening. And he says, speak for thy servant heareth. Verse 11 is where we're going to end. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hear it shall tingle. Oof. That's scary. You ever heard something that makes your ears tingle? Yeah, your, your, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Your, your hair goes from this to over here. It happens sometimes. It flips everything around. It tingles. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. But... Uh, Sister Corey taught about the call several lessons ago, and she, uh, the reason I remember that, not because Corey's a great, Corey's a great teacher, and I do remember things she says, I promise, but uh, she, had a, she had a call, and I'm not that clever. I didn't think about that. She had a phone, call her, so that's why I remember that. I don't, I don't have anything clever like that. I'm just going to talk. Is that okay? All right, so we're going to talk about the call. It's tied, the message is titled The Call. And um, there are several things in this passage of Scripture that stand out, and I uh, talked a lot while I was reading it. The context of this, of this Scripture is very fascinating if you don't know, or if you do, a little fresher. I like to refresh things so I know what I'm talking about, and you guys could just you know, be along with me for the ride. So the uh, book of Samuel is uh, written... Like half of the book of First Samuel is written by Samuel. Then like he gets taken over by maybe like people think other prophets like Gath maybe. Um, but this one is titled Samuel because it's about this guy named Samuel. For the first part of it, he's the prophet. Right now he's not because he's a child, but he's about to. We're going to get to it later. And he's a minister, and he's really a judge of, uh, of Israel, the last judge of Israel. And the book of First Samuel starts out talking about this couple going to a feast. It's very important that couples go to the feast if you lived in Israel because they had feasts every so often that you'd have to go to a place and sacrifice for your sins and your sins would be moved like a whole year. I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. I do not own any livestock or cattle. 
or sheep, so it would be very difficult to get my hands on one. Thankfully, we have Jesus Christ, and that covered everything. But um, So they would go to, this, uh, to the feast every year, and uh, this man had two wives, which is kind of crazy now. Don't think about it. It's not important. He had two wives. He had Hannah and Peniah. And uh, Hannah was barren. She had no kids. And it was a big, it was tough to not have kids in that day. It's tough now, but especially back then because you wanted to you know, be the one to help carry on the, the name. And, but Peniah, the other wife, had kids, and she would, she would make fun of Hannah for it. And it's very tough to live like that. So every year, Hannah would go and pray about this. And one year, she really went for it. One year, she was, for the last time, I'm not taking this anymore from Peniah. So she goes and she prays at the temple. And it says she prays so hard that she can't even talk anymore. It's just her mouth moving and her heart doing all the praying, which that's a thing in its, of itself that's just so incredible. I was talking to the pastor. It's just that perseverance of not giving up no matter what. And Eli comes around, and it says like he hits her on the head, like, stop. You're drunk. Get out of here, drunk person. He probably said it in different words, like the, what he says in First Samuel. But she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm praying really hard. I really want something. And Eli says, all right, whatever you want, God's going to answer. She's like, all right, problem solved. She prayed really hard, and her uh, prayers got answered. That's incredible. That's a lesson right there. And so... Uh, come to pass they have a kid and that's a miracle because she was not she was barren she wasn't going to have any kids but the lord answered her prayer she got a kid named samuel and she made a promise she said i have lent him to the lord i've lent samuel the son that you gave me to god and it says i've lent him for as long as he lived that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, rental right there if you ever rented out like a car and like as long as you live you can have this car like that's that's a big deal because now you're never going to drive that car again because it's as long as you live. So she made a commitment with a person, with God. And so she took uh, Samuel, once he was grown up a little bit, to the temple. And that's where he was. He was ministering at the temple. And that's where we find him in, uh, in verse 3. And said, the child Samuel ministered. He was a child here. You're, you're a little taller than a child, but you're kind of a child still. Come here, child. <laughs> so this is a child. Do you minister? Why not? Said so Samuel ministered. How old are you? You're 11? Okay, get, sit down. Samuel was 12. Do we have any 12-year-olds? Are you 12? Come here, child. You lucked out. Do you know what minister means? What you're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, no. Not exactly, kind of. It means to serve. Can you serve me that? So in, thank you. You can sit down, child. You did a great job. Give a hand for the child. Good water. Thank you. Um, so the child Samuel ministered. In, in uh, Hebrew, this, this comes from Hebrew, the word minister means sarath. Sarath. It means to serve, really. To minister before, or it could be taken as to serve. So really what Samuel did is he was serving in the temple. He wasn't like, you know, was getting up there and preaching to everyone and, and, and changing lives, which he did very small parts. He served. And that's such an important thing to do. He was a young person serving in the church. And to get like his full role, there's no real exam. Like it doesn't say like in Samuel got up and he did this and this and this as part of his duties. It doesn't say that, but we can infer from like uh, scholars at the time they saw what like what you would do in the temple. It was probably something along the lines of just general like cleaning up, 
stuff and, and lighting candles and making sure like this the simple stuff is taken care of because it's very important because it allow Eli if he did minister to like minister to other things in the other Levites but then in verse uh, 15 it said this is real crazy to me in Samuel until the morning he lay until the morning this is right after uh, he got the uh, talk to God said he opened the doors of the house Samuel was a door greeter he opened doors in the morning for the church to be open. I, when, every time I read this, I think it's so crazy because growing up, I thought if you want to be used by God, you got to know stuff. You got to, you know, read the Bible. I'm not saying you can't, you shouldn't read the Bible. That's do not take that from me. Read the Bible. Very important. Pray daily. Very important. Fast. Very important. But you don't have to be the best at all of it to get called. He's not looking for someone who knows everything because God can do everything. He's looking for someone who's willing to serve. Amen. He came, Samuel was opening doors. He wasn't leading worship. He wasn't even drumming, Cooper. He was just opening doors. He was doing what little he can, and then God saw that and called him. So my first point for today, I want everyone to know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be called. You don't even have to be a Bible scholar to be used. If you want to get used, just get used. There's so much that you could do here. I'm sure Sister Beth or Sister Corey will find something for you to do. And that is the whole thing. We're going home now. That's the lesson, though. <laughs> ah, yes, it's pretty good. He's a door greeter, but he got called. He was ministering, but he had no experience ministering. He had no experience. He had no special training. All he did was serve. He just got in and he started serving. And from that serving, from that ministering, from that being available, notice how every time he got called, he went straight to Eli. He didn't ponder and say, he's asleep. Why is he calling me? That's so, I'm just going to go back to bed. That's what I would do. Uh, I remember getting wake, woken up for school. Like, oh, I don't think she really was there. I was a dream. I'm going to go back to bed. And then I would be late for school. Bad move. Wake up. And now uh, I, I wake up for school and then I find myself waking up again after school has already gone. Online school's tough like that. <sighs> if only I had my mom here. Um, <laughs> but he would wake up at just the very call of someone saying, Samuel, come here, I need you. In that, that, that willingness to serve, that readiness to serve, I've got to be sure that's what God saw. And so from that great conversation, we see Samuel didn't even know the Lord. Neither was the Lord yet revealed to him. He didn't know the Lord at all, and yet he was being used. Is, am I the only one that finds that crazy? Because growing up, I thought you had to do these things. You had to be a certain person. You had to yeah. live a certain way. And, you know, you got to try. But God's just looking for willing vessels out here. He's saying, if you want to be used by me, I'm going to make sure you get used. And so that's what he found in Samuel. The Lord was not even yet revealed to him, and yet God called him. And he didn't just stay there at this. Like, I serve, I do a little bit of this. He grew in the Lord, it says in 319. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to ground. Everything that Samuel said had weight. It mattered because he was growing in the Lord. In verse 20, it says, everyone knew that um, Samuel was a prophet of the Lord. And in 21, verse 21, then it says, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Remember when he didn't know the word? 
but he was growing. He kept on ministering. He kept on serving. He didn't just say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm good enough to be a door greeter. He said, I'm going to get a little better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to grow in this. And then the Lord revealed himself even more to Samuel by the word of the Lord. It's crazy. So crazy. And you know what Samuel was? He was involved. Isn't that great? He served. And from that serving, from that ministering, not ministering like what I'm doing, even though like I don't really feel comfortable doing this. Uh, I was asked to do it, so I did it, and I love doing it, but it, I'm still nervous about it. He was involved, and he did other things. And from that involvement, from that serving, then he got his call, and then he grew. So you don't have to be called to serve, even though everyone's called to serve, by the way. You can serve if you want. I'm calling you to do it. But he was served, and then God called him, and then he grew from it. So here's some misconceptions that I grew up with. Do I need to know every, uh, every, every word in the Bible to, you know, to be involved? No. No, you don't. You just, have to, you just have to be willing. You just have to serve. Do I need God to tell me in a booming, audible voice that I need to serve? No, you just need to serve. Just get involved. I think it's uh, so crucial that, we, that everyone gets involved. But I'm going to let you in a little secret. I'm kind of uh, focusing this one on young people this whole thing on young people, because I work with young people a lot. I am a younger person, not too much anymore. My knees hurt sometimes. It's a terrible thing. Uh, um, but <laughs> so uh, I'm speaking to young people, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm going to consider all of you young people today. So turn to a neighbor and say, I'm a young people. Now, I don't want you guys to lie, so what we're going to do is we're going to quantify it. Uh, it's like Easton is a young person in comparison to me, and some other people are young per people in comparison to like Enoch. So I'll let you guys decide for yourselves on that one, and then we can continue in this. I'm not. I'm not going to name names. Let's seek out your own salvation with that one. That's that's on you guys. So young people, everyone say I'm a young people. That sounds great. Y'all are young people, and the whole goal of, uh, of what Samuel did is he effectively he became the leader, the, 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 not the spiritual leader of, of a nation. And he took over for the previous generation of Eli. And that's the goal for our young people, to carry forth this mission, what we're doing in this church, to carry it forward to the next generation. And so our young people, say I'm a young people, are right now carrying this lesson, this message, carrying the word, carrying the gospel forward. And it's not just the first time in the, New, in the Old Testament that a young person is called. Uh, I was, we've been doing this um, read the Bible in a year thing, which, you know, most people do. And it's great. And I, I love reading the Bible every day. It's a great way to start my day. I encourage everyone to do it. And I feel like I'm learning because I tried. I did it last year a little bit. I could have been better at it last year. And every time you read the same thing, you get something new. It's a living word. It's not just like Shakespeare where you're like, the the is always there. And it always means this. The, the word, it, 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 um, it works on you. It sits in you. You get something different every time. And so uh, we were reading through like Exodus, and in Exodus thirty three eleven, something just struck out to me. This is where, uh, this is right after uh, he gets the Moses gets the Ten Commandments and talking to God right before he gets all the plans to the tabernacle that's going to be built and all the stuff. Um, and for a little context of this, Moses 
would, they have the camp, but Moses would take a tent and you'd go away from the camp and you'd set it up there. And that's where he would talk with God. And the whole camp would get out of their tents and watch him do this because the pillar, uh, God's power just fell and they would all see it and they'd all see that going on. They think, wow, that's cool. That's crazy. And then once Moses would get out, they'd all start worshiping God because it's incredible. And in 3311, he's in this tent. It's called the Tabernacle of the Congregation. Um, in verse 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's incredible. That's speaking face to face, having a conversation. It feels like sometimes when I'm praying, it's very one-sided. Like, God, I'm asking you. But Moses would get face to face almost with God. And he also, he sees his glory in other parts. Moses was uh, said to be the, a true friend of God. And they would have this conversation. But what struck out even more to me, and he turned again into the camp. He went back into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. He would be in with Moses as he's having these conversations. He'd be with in the, I don't, I don't think tents have walls. What do they have? Canvas? He'd be within there. And he'd be hanging out. And he'd see Moses and God having this conversation. He would just take it all in. This young man, this young person. I hope I'm not spoiling the rest of the Bible, but he eventually takes over. Uh, I don't know if he got there yet. I haven't gotten there yet reading. Um, only, we're only in Leviticus. So he gets his own book called Joshua, and he takes over the camp, and he leads them into the promised land. And why do you think Joshua is chosen to take over? It's probably, I, I don't want to say probably, because I don't know like for sure God didn't say, well, there's another candidate, but he dropped out. He, I didn't get that fresh from God. But what I'm thinking is, what I'm inferring from my reading is that Joshua was his assistant. It says that he was his assistant. He was his servant. In, in Joshua 1, verse 1, it says, Joshua, the minister to Moses. Yes. So in, remember what we read in 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel ministered. It's that word. It's that same word. It's that serve. <laughs> Joshua would serve Moses, would assist Moses, would help Moses with everything he can, and he was able to take over. And that, man, I really can't get over sitting in that tabernacle, just Joshua just sitting there. There, there must, I don't know what I, would, what I would give up to be in that seat, just, just hearing what Moses and God were saying to each other. That's just incredible to me. And he, uh, so, and there's other parts in the Bible where Joshua is mentioned, like, before he takes over. He's the assistant. He serves Moses. Uh, he's almost like an intern. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know if he was paid either. He was just there. He's happy to be there a bit. But he was a young man, and he didn't have the Lord speaking directly to him, which could maybe be tough for some people, but he was obedient to the man of God. And he was placed in the position to lead because he was that. Uh, Joshua was empowered. He was an empowered young person. And uh, I was actually asked to, to speak at the summer conference, the one that we didn't have, for like the empowered sessions last year. And uh, I was like, I was going to do this, but then like we didn't have it. So, so that word empowered, it always stuck out. Yes? Just a quick note, of course, Joshua and Caleb were the ones that, of the 12 spies, the only two that brought back the positive. Exactly. They're the ones. Uh, uh, said Caleb had a different spirit about it, and Joshua was always just there supporting Moses. And they're the only ones that thought that they could do it, so he was rewarded with that too. Um, but Joshua was empowered to do that. 
And what I didn't realize is that Joshua wasn't in the camp room. So uh, when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, he left uh, the whole Israelites and he said, be here, be good, stay. I'm going to go up and talk to God. And they didn't. <laughs> they did not be good. They actually were bad. And so he went up and he talked to God and he got the Ten Commandments. He got these uh, tabernacle instructions. He got everything laid out. And while the Israelites were just being a mess down here they're making idols they're just saying moses has abandoned us ah they're like like you've ever like i'm gonna take you back to your high school days and the teacher leaves and the class is just chaotic just like i don't know how the like, zoom oh young young people right there she she knows what i'm talking about i was a great kid when the teacher left i was great so <laughs> that's kind of like what happened when moses left and he went up to the mountain. But Joshua wasn't with the misbehaving kids like Danica. Uh, Joshua was actually on the mountain the first time. He wasn't with them. And that, like, I never got it, but that's crazy to me. Joshua is a story of a young person who started out as literally nothing. He was an Israelite slave boy, born in, an, in a nation that wasn't his, born with a people that weren't his, in his own separate group. But he turned into the leader of an entire nation, taking land mile by mile, winning battle after battle, except for that one. But then he like, got it all straightened out. Um, and leaving cities in literal ruin. He, the, the, the name, uh, uh, the promise that was given to Joshua is that he would be like, unstoppable, basically indestructible too. And before he was given those promises, before he was the leader, he was a minister. He served. I hope these points are coming across. I mean, I, I think I would like to like, be able to be a better communicator and say it a lot, but this is just so powerful to me. And we don't even have to stop at young people because we're calling everyone young now as, as what I'm doing. Let's look at Abraham. He was old, but we're going to call him a young person in comparison to other people. Uh, he, was, he was pretty old, but he was called of God too. He wasn't a young man, but his story is still incredible. And the question that I have is, like, why was Abraham called over all these other people? We have clarifiers for different people being called. Like, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, says. David was a man after God's own heart. But what was Abraham? Because he heard the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. But why did God talk to him? And, like, Hebrews mentions faith, but he has faith after he was called. It doesn't say, like, why... Why he was called in my mind. I was, I was looking all around to see why Abraham. But I, I got to assume it's definitely that. Because after he was listened, he went. He didn't, he didn't uh, I guess the question is, that who else did God call and just no one listened? <laughs> oh, he heard and he ran. Um, Adam, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, but why Abraham? Abraham, to get a little... We've been talking about Abraham in our hyphen class, and that's, I get a little bit of inspiration from that. Abraham uh, was not... He was not a follower of God originally. He was uh, in a land of people who followed every single idol, everything. They said that a God did this and a God did that, and they worshipped it, and they had idols, and his family had idols. But one day he heard the voice of not an idol of a real God, and, you know, the, the question is, like, the, maybe the, 
conversation he had with his wife is like, so I heard from God today. She said, which one? And like, oh, no, mm-mm. no, it was the real God. He actually talked to me and we're, we got to move. And so God told Abraham that you got to go out to this country and I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And the thing is, Abraham didn't have any kids. He was not a father. He was very old and his wife couldn't even have kids. She was barren. So how, Abraham had all this faith for leaving just because he heard the call. The call is very powerful. The call is very powerful. Abraham's crazy. I don't know why God calls certain people just because he loves us all. But I found in reading this Bible, this Bible is full of people who don't have impressive resumes. It's full of people who don't have achievements at first. It's, uh, God called Gideon, right? Gideon uh, was threshing, was hiding when he was being called. But he was called a mighty man of valor. God doesn't look at what you are right now to call you. He sees what you can be and what he's going to use you with. Abraham didn't even know this God yet. God called him because he was called for a specific purpose. And certainly not because uh, God found a perfect man. Abraham lied after he heard the call. He didn't follow God's plan after he heard the call. He took the plan into his own hands after he heard the call. But through these setbacks and shortcomings, God fulfilled Abraham's destiny. Every promise was, was, was fulfilled because Abraham was just faithful to it. He, he messed up a few times, but it's okay. God works with us when we mess up. Just because we mess up doesn't mean we can't be called anymore. God doesn't lose our number once we mess up. He actually keeps us on speed dial probably. It's like, I got to look into you now. I got to help you out. But through some setbacks and shortcomings, he fulfilled Abraham's destiny. When we feel God calling to us, it may not be the audible, echoing voice that God spoke to, like uh, that we hear, that we read in the Bible, that maybe he said that. No, like when we think of Elijah, he was this man on a run, right? And he was in this cave, and he ran away because he was scared. And that happens to us sometimes. I'm I'm a pretty scared person, Uh, not the bravest sometimes. And God uh, spoke to Elijah, but he did speak first. First, he, like, he threw some things at him. He threw like a whirlwind and earthquakes. But, he, but the Bible says God wasn't there in those big events. He was there in a still, small voice. So God speaks to different people different ways. In fact, it may not even be a voice at all. I've personally never heard the voice of God, probably because it would scare me. Just, I would just be like, ah, and then I would faint probably, and then I'd think, oh, it didn't didn't happen but it's sometimes it's like a gut feeling or it's like a thing that you think that you wouldn't have thought yourself just happens to you and it speaks and I say speaks in parentheses because it's like nothing else I can't even describe it really and it's like this something deep inside Psalms 42 7 says deep calleth unto deep that's how God reaches us sometimes he goes really into the depth in Second Chronicles sixteen nineteen says, The eyes of the Lord roam around the earth looking for hearts that are completely for him. That's all God's looking for. He's looking for hearts. He's looking for vessels, willing people. And I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your situation. Let me flip the page. Um, and I, I don't know why, why God calls me sometimes. I've, I mess up so much, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to brag about my calling. I don't know full of my calling. I just know that I'm called. And I know that every one of us is called. That's the important things. Sometimes we focus so much on what we're supposed to do, what we need to do. It's just what... I should have wrote that down. Sometimes we focus on like what our end goal is. What do we want to end up? What does God want us to end up? And all he wants us to do is, is just listen. Just be there. Just be available. 
I've heard that availability is the best ability, and that is first and foremost in the kingdom of God, which is being available. But we get called, but do we feel ready? I get phone calls. Like, I was taking a test yesterday, and I got a call from my work. I was like, I scheduled time off, but I'm going to answer it, and I don't feel ready for this call. I don't know what's going on. Like, it kind of scared me. I was like, oh, but I took the call. It was a good call. Some stuff happened. It's great. Fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> we don't feel ready when we take some calls sometimes. I, like, sometimes I call my parents because I have to tell them that something has happened. Like, I have to take physics again. And I don't feel ready to make that call. <laughs> feel a little scared. But um, you might not feel ready for this call. But who is ready? Not like a lot of people are ready. Some people are more prepared than others. But, you know, you can't fully be prepared for this. You might make mistakes. Who doesn't make mistakes? The people I just mentioned, Abraham made mistakes. David made mistakes. Moses made mistakes. People make mistakes. God works with mistake people. That's why he's there. <laughs> Sometimes he works with people that are, that maybe, you, maybe you've been called a mistake. God loves that because he's like, no, I have a specific plan for you. You're not a mistake. You are perfectly, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So don't listen to the world saying that, like, everyone makes mistakes. Okay, you're like, yeah, everyone does make mistakes. And God says, I'm going to use that for my good. I'm going to use that for you, for me. <clears throat> I'm going to use your mistakes for my benefit, for my glory, and it's incredible. So you might not feel ready. You might feel like you make too many mistakes. That's great, because there's still a calling for you. The real question is, are you going to be available to it? Are you going to follow it? Uh, you may have been in church five years or five minutes, but the invitation is there. There's a parable. Uh, I didn't write it down. But I know it, so it's good. It's good. I know what I'm going to say. Uh, Matthew 22 and 14, uh, Jesus is finishing up a parable. And he actually says the statement twice in two separate parables. But the one I was thinking about is Matthew 22 and 14. He says, many are called, but few are chosen. He says that twice in separate parables. The context of the one in Matthew 22 is a, a very rich man is uh, he's hosting a wedding. Big banquet. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's the biggest thing ever. Like, if there was social media back in the day, it would be everywhere. Like, did you hear about the wedding? Like, yeah, I heard about the wedding. That's what it would be like. Like, duh, who hasn't heard about it? And he sent out invitations to a very select group of people, to people he wanted to be there. And so the people got the invitations. The invitation was received, but they made excuses. They took it lightly. They took it lightly. Oh, my goodness. And he was mad. He's like, I chose you guys for this. This wedding, I've, I've prepared it. It's pretty crazy. And I wanted you guys to be there. He doesn't want to be there. And so he's upset. He was mad. Uh, it actually says he went into uh, their cities and he burned the cities down. And that's, if you want to get deep into it, that's like an analogy or a parable about how he called Israel. And they kept on rejecting his calling. So he put them in captivity. And then he called. In, so then he said, all right, servants, people are coming to this wedding. So I'm sending it out to every person, everybody. Go everywhere. Go to where the road meets the city. Go to where people are there because we are bringing people to church. So the servant sent out invitations to everywhere. Every single person got this. And a lot of people showed up. But then in that same parable, it says that he was there. Everyone was at the banquet. And the master goes up to someone who wasn't dressed for a wedding. And he said, get out of my wedding. He kicked him out. And uh, the Bible goes into a little harsher words of what happened. But then Jesus follows up with, Many are called, few are chosen. Oh, it was on this page. That's weird. I was early. I was ahead of my notes. That's not good. 
When athletes get drafted by a professional team, uh, Devin, what happens? What do they get? They get, well, before they get a contract, they get a call. They get a call. Someone calls them up on their phone. When someone's going into the Hall of Fame, they either get a knock or they get a call. When uh, a minor league pitcher is moving up to the majors, he gets called up. And that's what we're doing right now. We are getting called on the daily. And when it says many are called, that word for called is uh, is uh, Greek word kletos. It means invited, divinely selected, and appointed. So that's what that calling is. It's an invitation. Say, come here. I'm, I'm fixing to do something great. But then when he says few are chosen, it's ekletos, which means chosen by God or elect or favorite. So the invitation goes out. How are we going to respond to the call? Samuel responded to every call, not knowing who was calling him really. He thought it was Eli, but he went anyways. But those, those, those first people invited in the parable, they were called and they took it lightly. So there is a call going out, but now the burden falls to us. The responsibility comes to us. How do we respond to that calling? I really hope that I respond like Samuel, that I respond like the, the, the ones who showed up to the wedding fully dressed. I respond ready. I just want to be used. And I, I think there's, not I think, I know there's such a power when we get our young people who are called. Young people, you are all called. I want you to know that. Remember, you're all young people. You also happen to all be called. It's crazy coincidence that it happened like that. But you're all called. There's a calling going out. How do we respond? Peter was given a calling. Peter was a disciple of Jesus in, um, in the last days of Jesus before he went on the cross. In fact, like the night before he went on the cross, Peter messed up. He had been called. Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom, it said. He, he said, um, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter was given a grand calling. He knew what his calling was. He's like, I, I'm going to be involved somehow. I don't know if he fully realized what was going on, but he was given a calling. And after, uh, and, and right before Jesus died, he messed up. He, it says he denied Jesus three times, which Jesus said was going to happen. Peter didn't believe it, but it happened. And Peter messed up. But Jesus uh, came back to, uh, he, he was resurrected. Not trying to spoil anything. It's in there. It's, it's actually in there like four times. It's a pretty big deal. Um, after that, Peter was actually fishing. He went back to what he was called. Because Jesus called Peter like three years prior, three and a half years prior in his ministry. He called to him while he was uh, at his job. He was fishing. He said, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. That's a calling. That's an invitation. Follow me right now. Come here. Come here. I'm going to help you out. I'm gonna, we're going to do great things. And so Peter r- went back to his, his, uh, his old life. He was fishing again after he messed up because he was sad. And when I mess up, I get sad too. And I start going back to things that I, I was uh, called away from. But when Peter was fishing, he saw someone out on the shore. He didn't know Jesus was raised yet. He saw someone out on the shore, he said, and uh, he, after they had a quick conversation, I don't know how good they had a conversation because I assume like they're on a boat far apart from each other. But he said, that's Jesus, and I'm coming over there. And so he went back, and he got reaffirmed, and he got recalled, and, and, and Jesus uh, talked, to, talked to him. And they had a great conversation. It's in John. Uh, by the way, great message on uh, Sunday. I wasn't here for it, but we have a podcast, so you can listen to all the messages again. So very cool. I was able to listen to a very good. I love the book of John. It's my favorite 
uh, gospel. They're all great, though. I encourage everyone to read it. But Peter was called, and he messed up his calling. He got, uh, uh, got he, uh, 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 I lost the word. Oh, my goodness, my brain is not working right now. But he got called, he messed up, and then he got restored. Ha ha, I did it. He got restored, and he was put into a place where he needed to be. Thank you for all being along with me on that. I, I could feel the, the, the suspense that you had. And so Jesus gave him a new calling after that. He said once uh, they were walking and right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, wait in Jerusalem or uh, wait for the promise that you should, that you shall receive power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I should have written this down. Like I have the whole thing down, just not like the numbers. Uh, he says in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, wait, and it's going to come to you. And so Peter waited. He followed God's words. And in Acts 2.38, he uh, was able to preach the first like, apostolic sermon ever, which is crazy. And in that, it's a very familiar uh, uh, passage of scripture for me, at least. I was told to read it so many times and memorize it. And in 2.38 says, in uh, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of your sins, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then 39 is the promise is unto you and to your children, as many as far as the Lord our God shall call. The calling is for everyone. This invitation, this wedding, it's, it's about the salvation. It's about us being finally uh, together with Jesus in heaven, that's what the invitation is, really, for our salvation. And, and if you read in Revelations, I was uh, reading through other words that uh, Kletos was being used in, and Revelation seventeen fourteen popped up. And I, I don't try to avoid Revelation. It's just like sometimes I don't get it, and it makes me uncomfortable. You know, like I wish I knew more about what's going on here. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to have to be surprised when it happens. Like, oh, that's so crazy! <laughs> wow. But it's talked about. Revelation, it's, it's, a, it's a book of John saw visions of what's going to happen in the end times. And there's, there's many people who know a lot more about it than I do. And in chapter 17, John sees this crazy thing, this woman with, with a crown of seven, uh, seven horns. And, and he comes out and she's, uh, she's, she's yelling at, at, the, at the lamb. And uh, the angel's, like, trying to explain it to him. Like, John, don't worry, it's this, it's this. And John's probably like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm reading, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. But what I do know is that there's a conflict between this, this, this uh, evil, this great evil, and the Lamb of God. And in Revelation 17, 14, it says, These shall make war with the Lamb. That's who he's talking about, the lady with the seven horns, or whatever. More with the Lamb. And the Lamb's Jesus. But don't worry. And it says, And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. So this lady was actually like a representation of all these other kings and lords who thought they had power, but they really don't. And so uh, the Lamb overcame them because he is the Lord of lords. God is the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Is that not just the, the description of Abraham? He was called, he was chosen, and he was faithful. Samuel was called and chosen and faithful. There's going to be things that rise up that we don't fully understand. Like, I don't know what's going on in my life sometimes. It can be crazy and chaotic. But with God, we can overcome him because we are called and chosen and faithful. 
um, there was a preaching that I heard where it said, many are called, few are chosen. Many, everyone's called, but few have chosen to be called. Few have chosen to latch on and to be that elect with God. Few have decided to give up everything to be called. So I, what I'm, I guess what I'm, I'm going to try to wrap it up here. I think it would be time to wrap it up. Is that when Jesus says many are called, every single person in the world is called, few are chosen. And I would like to challenge all of us to choose that calling, to go fully after that calling, to be available to God, to be used in any way that we can. I was so excited when I saw Cooper like, start to learn to play the drums. Like, that's how I started. I started as a, I was a pastor kid in Spokane, and you know, I was at the church. If the lights were on at the church, it's because I turned them on, because I was there with my parents doing work at the church. If the floors were vacuum, I probably picked up the vacuum. But one day we got this drum set, and uh, so I was, I was about like 12, and I just started messing around, and I got a beat down. And then from there, I was hooked to being involved in any way I could. I was involved forcefully because my parents were the pastors. If you're a pastor kid, you're involved, and that's that. <laughs> There's no other way around it. But then when I got involved with something I enjoyed, I couldn't wait for church. I couldn't wait for stuff to happen. I couldn't wait to be up there. And if we can just get some of our young people to be involved, find some way to be involved, because the Lord has so many great things in store for you if you just want to be called and chosen and faithful. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Um, you were talking about, you were talking about Abraham's call, and he's the, he's the father of the faithful, and you think about when he got his call, he mentioned he was living in a land of, of uh, you know, idol worship and all of this. It really wasn't the formal religion given Moses had been around God exposed him to that but if you think about this Adam was alive or Lamech Adam was alive for a hundred years of Lamech's life now Lamech is the father of Noah okay so Noah has three boys they're alive hearing grandpa talk about Adam okay they're direct descendants and he, so Lamech has firsthand experience talking with Adam. You would think so. They're descendants. And then Shem, after the flood, okay, he is alive for all, well, basically 170 years of Abraham's life. So you would think that Abraham had talked to Shem, who had talked to Lamech, who had talked to Adam. And it's kind of like when God calls people today, they have this somewhat kind of a fuzzy knowledge of God and the Bible, and, and uh, they've heard stories. And when they get that call, he responded to it. And it's just like with people today, they have kind of this working, fuzzy knowledge. They've heard about all these things. And then when God gives them the call, we answer it just like Abraham. And I don't know, I don't have all the answers at the beginning. He didn't have all the answers, but he answered the call. And, and that's what we do when people are called out from the world, just like Abraham. He's the father of the people. Amen. Amen. That's, that is, that's a, yeah. The scripture that I just, I just, no, I was thinking about it because, like, you think about it, the genealogy is crazy. People live for, like, Almost a thousand years. Like Adam was like nine hundred something when he died, and today people are like, you look know, at the chart. look at there is a cool chart. I don't know why I just gave you the thumbs up. That was weird. Sorry about that. 
But I guess to end it right here, uh, it says we're called out of darkness into his marvelous lights. So everyone's called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Amen. I think we're, we'll stand and wrap this thing up and, and I'll pray dismiss. And I won't even give a thumbs up this time, I promise. All right. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. Thank you for this opportunity we had to come together to hear your word, Lord God. I ask that it settles deep in our heart, Lord Jesus, that we feel the calling, that we go after the calling, that we choose this calling. Bless us throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.